Hi, and welcome back to What Remains. I'm your host, MK. This episode, I'll be talking about the body brokering industry. If you missed in the first episode, body brokers are the intermediaries and in sales of non-transplant tissue donations. Initially, I was going to focus my research on just this industry, but because of how sensationalized this field is, discussing it outside the context of the good body donation does might deter people from donating their bodies. I very strongly believe in the good of body donations. I've been educated using donated bodies. I've benefited from medical research and education that was made possible because of donated bodies. And when I die, I plan to have my body donated as well. It's important to ground issues surrounding body brokering in the context of both the good that comes from the donated bodies they're processing and selling, and the grander structural issues stemming from capitalism, exploitation of marginalized groups, and an unwillingness to regulate industry without sufficient public outcry. The problems at the root of body brokering industries is at the root of most industries in the U.S., the valuing of profit over safety and ethics. There's very little academic or industry discussion of body brokering, so the majority of available information is based in journalism. Reuters has written numerous articles on the practice of body brokering as part of their The Body Trade Cashing In on the Donated Dead special report series. In the article in the U.S. Market for Human Bodies, Almost Anyone Can Dissect and Sell the Dead, Reuters introduces the industry of body brokering and focuses on the body brokering company Southern Nevada Donor Services in Las Vegas, Nevada, who offers discounted or waived cremation fees for families that agree to donate. Neighboring tenants reported the business for bloody boxes in their dumpster, which led to a formal investigation of their business. Health inspectors went to investigate and found someone thawing a human torso with a garden hose, washing blood and bits of tissue into the gutter. Their interviews indicated that Southern Nevada donor services, like many body brokers, relies on mostly the poor to supply bodies because of their inability to pay for funeral services without the financial aid that comes from donating. In Made in America, U.S. body brokers supply world with human torsos, limbs, and heads. Reuters examined the role the U.S. has in the international research cadaver market. Donated bodies from the U.S. are exported to at least 45 other countries, with thousands of parts being sent to foreign research institutes and medical schools annually. Demands from other countries remain high because many have religious or cultural taboos or laws against dissection of the human body. Reuters also wrote two articles about the somewhat infamous criminal case of the Sunset Mesa funeral home brokering ring. The FBI raided the funeral home in 2018 after months of investigation into the business's body donation operation. The investigation found that Sunset Mesa, a funeral home that was also a certified body broker, had been forging donation consent paperwork or neglecting to document bodies received and giving many families dry cement passed off as the cremains of their loved one when they refused to donate or only chose to donate a single organ. The podcast Criminal investigates the Sunset Mesa case as well, looking into the support group that victims had formed to make sense of the crimes committed against them and their efforts to find out where their loved ones' bodies were sold to. Pacific Standard also wrote their own piece on the business of body brokering, detailing similar information to Reuters' articles, but focusing on a Detroit shipping company that sends human remains internationally and D.C.'s annual American Society of Anesthesiologists Cadaver Workshops. 
Ann Cheney, an investigative journalist, wrote the novel Body Brokers Inside America's Underground Trade in Human Remains about the lack of regulation in the industry investigating the body brokering business and its little-known practices, as well as detailing its troubling roots in body snatching in the 19th and 20th centuries. Cheney began investigating to write a story for the magazine she worked for about people who donated their bodies for research. She says that the recent death of a friend made her feel protective of the deceased and how their remains were used, which pushed her to more closely examine the context of how remains were acquired by these institutions. She attempted to look deeper into this and was criticized by many of her interviewees because they believed that she would scare people away from donating their bodies, until she eventually spoke to an anatomist who believed in the good that body donation did, but felt that the system through which the donations were acquired was deeply flawed. He suggested that Cheney look into courses being taught during surgical training seminars that often featured human remains from unknown sources, brought in by independent operators, and that were being used to demonstrate surgical procedures, often in the event spaces of hotels. From this lead, she spent three years investigating the U.S. trade of human remains in an attempt to trace the estimated 10,000 human cadavers used to train doctors each year, and the uncounted number used for surgical demonstrations, medical research, and crash testing. Another book on the subject, Head, Shoulders, Knees, and Bones, written by Philip J. Guyette, Jr., details his personal experience in the body brokering industry that led to his arrest for wire fraud and one of the largest FDA tissue recalls in recent years. Guyat had 13 years of experience in the brokering and tissue donation management industry before his arrest, and though he shows clear bias in how he minimized and passed blame for his crimes he committed, he offers meticulous detail in how he describes his practice. He clearly outlines the trajectory of how he fell into his body brokering career. He began as a land surveyor but was injured on the job and was directed to a coroner's assistant position through workman's comp. He decided he liked the field and took the three courses necessary to become part of the coroner and medical examiner reserves. And within two years, he was recommended to be the director of the Willed Bodies program at the Western University of Health Sciences, where he made many of the connections that allowed him to start his own brokering firm. Gaia is an unreliable narrator, and he shows a distinct lack of compassion for the deceased he brokers or any of their loved ones, but his disaffected account of his career shows how one conceptualizes the dead as a commodity when working in a field where they're treated as such. He breaks down how body parts are priced based on age, wellness, condition, and various other factors, and the often careless ways bodies are dismembered and transported. Though he shows his biases in many instances, Guyette's book provides important insights into how he entered the field and how the business operates, and he doesn't shy away from discussions about the lack of regulation in body brokering and how that can be exploited. As many of these sources indicate, laws about body brokering are limited. No federal regulations or oversight exists currently, and as of now, the only state to regulate the industry is New York. The influence of profit has had a significant impact on the growth of body brokering in this country. The U.S. has both one of the strongest legal markets for human body parts sold for research in the world, with many brokers and institutions exporting remains to dozens of other countries, and some of the fewest regulations on their sale. And demand for human research material remains incredibly high. 
Due to the laxity in body brokering laws and because of social taboos around the sale of human remains, many body brokers struggle to gain consent from next of kin to sell the body and thus can easily choose to sell the body without necessary legal consent and give the family fake remains. In less intentionally malicious situations, institutions who have a surplus of donated bodies may sell them to brokers without checking to see if this violates the donor's wishes and may still be breaking the law. Journalists and death activists alike are pushing for federal regulation and oversight of the for-profit industry involved in non-transplant body donations to minimize illegal and predatory behavior from body brokers. Additionally, death activists are encouraging increased openness surrounding topics of death planning and death care in our culture so loved ones aren't blindsided by difficult decisions at the time of death. This lack of preparedness is easily exploitable during such a vulnerable time, whether by a funeral director upselling burial packages or a broker pushing for donation when the family doesn't fully understand what the decision is. Common recommendations for individuals to get started on their death planning journey include preparing a will in advance, even when you don't anticipate dying anytime soon, looking into what funerary options best match your values, whether it be eco-friendliness, specific scientific research programs, or cost-effective plans that alleviate some of the financial burden that comes with funerals, and ultimately having an earnest conversation with loved ones about what your wishes are. Thank you for joining me. Next episode will be the conclusion of this project where I'll be talking about COVID's impact on mortuary industries and how it ties into structural issues in death care. Talk to you next time.